Welcome to Breakthrough, the podcast that helps you to get unstuck, move forward, move on, and finally break through to that next level that you have been looking for. I'm Mickey Ruthman, transformational breakthrough coach, speaker, and author, and your host right here on the Breakthrough Podcast. So get ready to break the barriers and break the limitations, and let's dive right on into this week's episode of Breakthrough. Hello there, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm Mickey Ruthman, your host right here on the Breakthrough Podcast, and transformational breakthrough is my passion in life. It's what I specialize in, and that is what we do right here on the Breakthrough Podcast as well. And a very warm welcome to a brand new year, to 2020 and also to a brand new decade and I hope you're ready because I really feel that this is going to be a really big breakthrough year for so many people so hold on to your seats guys if you've been looking for a breakthrough a you're in the right place by being on this podcast and I really believe that this is the year that breakthrough is coming for a lot of people right so If you're new to this podcast, like I said, we're all about breakthrough here, transformational breakthrough. And on this week's episode, I am coaching Chantal through what she believes is a fear of public speaking. But as we drill down a little bit further into that fear, we actually discover that it is masking a whole lot of other fears, other limiting beliefs that's coming up for her as we drill down into what she believes is a fear of public speaking. We do get into how to look at your fear of public speaking specifically as well, but this episode is really going to help you with whatever fear it is that you would like to just loosen its grip on you and really take back your power. So whether it is a fear of failure Um, fear of not being good enough, even a fear of heights, whatever it is. If you want to take your power back and loosen the grip of fear on you, then do stick around and listen to this episode. And if you listen all the way to the end, I give a bit of a recap on the session with Chantal and I give you a breakdown of five very simple steps that you can take to begin to take your power back from whatever that fear is that you want to overcome and get breakthrough on. So without further ado, guys, let's jump into this week's episode of Breakthrough with Chantal. Enjoy. Hi, Chantal, and welcome to your breakthrough session. What is your question? Um, My question is, is that uh, all my... um not a problem, but my uh, worry is is that I've been rolled into a new program of life coaching, and I know that I would um, at some stage need to do public speaking or speak at uh, uh, corporates or gatherings, uh, ladies' groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that is one of my fears. It's always been since school that I um, find it very difficult to speak to do public speaking. So I would really like you to help me through that. Okay. So let's begin with, do you want to do public speaking? I hear you saying that you, you're doing a course and you have to do it. Is it something you want to do? You know what? Um, I see the, the uh, opportunities 
um, in in this situation where I'm, you know, this uh, new um, endeavor is that I will definitely be uh, maybe approached by corporates, maybe, you know, by groups to speak. And then I would want to do that because, I mean, I have got this, a story to share and uh, to be able to help in training or workshops and so on. So I, I really just, if you if you asked me before I started this, uh, do you want to do public speaking? I said never in my entire life do I want to do that. But in my previous uh, job, I did training at universities, and it was extremely difficult. But I mean, I know that I have to put myself out there um, in order for me to grow. In any case, so I would like to for myself be able to overcome this fear and uh, not only just you know because I'm in a job situation so I really just want to for myself um, it's like you know being having a fear of heights mm-hmm. um, that I also have but I'm not going to ask you to get me <laughs> but the main thing is yeah I really need to for myself get over this because this is something that um, I feel is holding me back achieving what I actually want to achieve. Okay, great stuff. So fear is usually a word we use to mask other stuff, other emotions and feelings that come up for us in any given situation. So I want us to unpack that fear a little bit. Tell me what exactly is it that you're afraid of when you have to speak in front of people? That I'm going to go blank. That I'm going to forget what I'm trying to tell, you know, what, what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. That it's not going to, you know, and then obviously the, the fear of what people are thinking of me, you know. The minute that, because I know that, that when I listen to a lecturer or I listen to a public speaker, um, you are judging. The audience is definitely you know, you are in a judging situation. You you can see whether this person is prepared or not prepared. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm fear of, fearful of, is that I will be judged. And that they might think, oh, my word, you know, she's really not good in what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And that is also one thing in my life. I mean, I always have to or try and be prepared as, as well as possible to be able to do whatever I'm doing to the best of my ability. Yes. Okay, so a couple of things came up for me while you were telling me that. And that's, that's what I mean by fear is usually masking something else that's going on with us. So it's not really fear of public speaking as such. It is fear of failure. Am I right? Yes. Fear of being judged or what others are going to think. Yeah. And a fear of not being good enough. Mm-hmm. So just those three, aside from in public speaking, where do these same sort of fears creep up for you in your everyday life, in other situations? This is now fear of failure or of being judged or not being good enough. No, I think that um, in, in my daily, you know, uh, um, job situation is, again, you know, whatever I do, I try and, you know, I overthink things, I analyze stuff to be able to be prepared for every situation so that I um, can deal with it, you know, in a a, a more optimal way. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So it's, 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 I can't really pinpoint exactly where I find, but definitely in my job situation, I, I, I need to be perfect in what I do. Um, so I, I overthink things and try and, you know, prepare for stuff um, to the best of my ability. Okay. So you've kind of drilled down for me now. So the actual, actual thing we need to work with is not fear of public speaking, but more a belief that you have to be perfect. Perfectionism. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I definitely, you know, like I said, I mean, I need to, before I do something, I need to, um, what do you call it? Rehearse and rehearse and rehearse until I think it's, you know, it's, it's now good enough kind of thing. Okay. So I mustn't make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a lot of people have this where we over identify with, we have to be perfect perfectionism, right? And usually what's happened is somewhere in your life, you were told or taught that you have to be perfect. That, that's the only thing that's acceptable. And it's become an identity for you. And it's kind of pulling through to every area of your life, not just to public speaking, for instance, but other areas like your work, for instance, right? So what, what is it when you think of not being perfect? What comes up for you? What would happen if Chantal was not perfect? Again, what we spoke about before, it's, it's the failure, uh, the, the being judged, um, being not good enough. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if, if, again, even from school days, I mean, as a, as a child, I grew up in a, in a small little a rural town and um, basically everything I did was perfect. You were um, number one in the class. You were the head girl. You did, you were big tricks of Dorum because there were only so many kids in the class you know, to do this. So, I mean, it was easy to be very good in what you did. And then um, in high school, I went to a, uh, moved to a bigger school and all of a sudden you just became a number mm-hmm. so I think then I felt like a total failure because now I'm competing with people with hundreds of kids that are on a very high level so I just think that you know you, you your, your standards were so extremely high from young from being you know in that environment as a youngster that uh, I needed to follow through with it I mean I couldn't when Afrikaans should say, Can you know the pop lot fall me? You know, mm-hmm. I, I had to continue on the standards that were set when I was when I was uh, younger. And, and that who, is difficult to always achieve. Who set those standards when you were younger? Was it you or was it other people? Definitely myself. I mean, I wasn't under a lot of pressure from others to do that. But again, the minute that you started uh, performing and started achieving, um, you know, people ex- expected that from you. So you had, expe- there were expectations. So if you didn't do, you get the 90, you know, get your, your marks went in the 90s. Why? Why? What ha- what's happening now that you're not 
achieving that. So questions were being asked, but it wasn't, I think, pressure put on me, but there were definitely expectations. So I think more the pressure was, was, was through myself. Mm. So when you were younger, whose approval did you fear was not going to be there, fear of not approving of you if you didn't achieve as a child? Was it a parent? I should imagine my parents. Mm -hmm. But again, it, I, can, I, cannot, I cannot think, I can't remember that there was pressure and that I had to, yeah, you always obviously want to prove yourself, you know, too. To your parents and make and, and 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 make them proud of you, but there was never pressure put on me. I think, I think maybe indirectly. What you, what you, would happen you if felt you did like that? When you were younger, what happened when you did achieve? How was that rewarded? No, it's just um, acknowledgement. I mean, it's not that I was ever given anything. You know, we never you know, had money or I was never rewarded through clothing or monies or, uh, you know, a prize or anything like that. It was just acknowledgement. Okay. And was that acknowledgement from whom? From your parents? Yeah, and from teachers. And if it was acknowledgement from your parents, was it a particular one of your parents? I think my my dad's the, the, the acknowledgement, you know, through my dad. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a different question. If I want you for a moment to just imagine your childhood, just close your eyes for me wherever you're sitting and go back to yourself as a child and tell me which one of your parents, between your mom and your dad, Whose love and affection did you crave the most? I think my mother's. Your mother. She wasn't, uh, we didn't have a, yeah, we didn't have a good relationship at all. Mm -hmm. So we, she, she never showed me any, any affection. So it must probably my mum. Okay. And who did you have to be to get her affection and approval? What did you have to do? Not really sure. <laughs> I think it's again. I, uh, you, as long as I was, was, um, I think maybe being a good a good kid, in the sense of not naughty. You know, of course. I mean, that is one thing that they she couldn't stand as as naughty kids. We. We were um, dealt with, I mean, but that's my two brothers as well, very harshly as children. I mean, they, they still punished us uh, by, you know, giving us hidings. Mm -hmm. So as long as you were... Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and no good. No kid is not losing. No kid is not yeah. So you had to be perfect in order to get your mother's attention, affection, approval. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know whether one one should say perfect. I think it's more um, being not heard kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is a form of perfectionism. And be about it. 
Because here's the thing, here's what I'm picking up, is as a child, you equated just doing everything right, being perfect, being good enough. You identified that as this is how I get approval, love, acceptance, affection. And that probably is, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, playing out in all of your relationships today. Because whatever we learn as a child in terms of how it is we get love and affection and attention, especially from someone or something that we crave it from, pulls through to our grown-up life in all of our situations and all of our relationships as well. Does that resonate with you? Mm. Okay, so... Yeah, no, definitely, because, I mean, now, even in, in today's, you know, in my relationships today, I am a fixer. Mm. I need to fix things. I need to make sure everything is fine. It has to be right. It's, you know, even if I didn't do anything wrong, I need to make sure that the, that everything is okay. Mm. You had to, yeah. you so had I, to please people. Yeah. yeah. Please. We all have it. <laughs> so what do and you... And sort out problems, you know. Um, there mustn't be conflict anywhere. Where I must make sure that that is fine. And I think that comes from there as well. So what is it that you believe would happen if you did something, if everything wasn't done perfectly today? Let's use a scenario. Let's say you have to get up on stage and you've got to do a talk. What, yeah. What would happen? What is it that you are telling yourself is going to be the consequence of you getting up there and not doing it perfect? The fact that other people will think I'm not good in what I'm doing. Okay. I need to know that they must approve of, say for instance, now I'm a, I become a life coach and I stand up there and I need to, um, Obviously, people need to say, yo, okay, she is really good in what she's doing. I'm going to book her for another talk. But if I'm not good enough, they're not gonna, I'm not going to get clients. So the consequences is that I'm not going to have this successful practice that I am craving. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you really believe that your entire career because here's the thing, if you're a life coach especially, when we're a life coach, we're doing it to help or serve other people. And obviously, I'm not sure what you're going to be speaking about, but I presume that you'll be speaking from your own life experience, right? Correct. Or coaching on stuff that you've experienced as well. So the consequence of you getting up on stage and not being a good speaker, but delivering the good content from your heart, right? Do you really believe that if you're not a good speaker, your entire career could fail? Is that the truth? No, that's not the truth. Okay. So do you see how you've formed a belief in your head? You've made it true for yourself. And because of that, it's building fear inside of you that when I get up there, so here's the thing. I want to give you an example. 
I worked with a pro golfer at a stage and um, I was asked to take an emergency call with him while he was on tour and doing a tournament. And um, he basically told me that on his first day, he played horrible. Now he was still at school. He had a scholarship for golf. Okay. He was a pro golfer already in school. And he was freaking out completely because his first day of this four, I think it was a three or four day tournament went horrible. And what I explained to him and what it came down to is instead of getting present and playing hole by hole in that tournament, every single, cause he still got three more days left of the tournament. Right? So just if the first day didn't go well, you've still got tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But what it came down to and what I pointed out to him was that instead of playing one hole at a time and playing that one as, as well as you can, what he was busy doing was behind every single shot he took was the pressure of my entire future is dependent on this shot. And that's kind of what's happening in your mind at this stage is instead of seeing it as I'm going to get up there, get present, share my heart, you are putting your entire future on the line. You are doing future tripping in your brain and already deciding what the outcome is going to be instead of just being present in that moment. So can you see how that is putting a heck of a lot of pressure behind one little talk, <laughs> your entire future, right? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. No, because that is exactly what I do. I mean, even I'm thinking now back when I was at school and I had to do an oral. I mean, that as well, you know, okay, that was not a future specifically, that, but, but I'm just thinking, you know, while I, I'm talking to you, I'm thinking back on other situations as well. Where, where did I, you know, where did I experience this fear? And uh, yes, I'm hearing you talking about the future and that is, that is true because adversity when I did, um, uh, speaking there, I just thought, oh my word, I don't know what these people must think of me, you know, and you know, that is my career. Mm. Um, and you don't know what they're thinking. You are making it up. You are exactly. saying it's you an assumption. Whole, yeah, it's an absolute assumption is that we get the, the, they, they're really not liking me. I can see that, or, you know, they thinking I'm talking nonsense or, yeah, no, that, that, that is true. You can, you can really tell yourself a story uh, which is not true, which is really just an assumption of, of your own fears. Mm. And that is the thing is with anything in life, whether it's public speaking, whether it's a task you've got to do, um, whether it's a proposal you're doing for business, anything like that is when we come back to the present moments instead of future tripping or going back to the past, past experiences, that is actually when we're in the moment and and here's the thing, especially if you're a speaker, when you are present in the moment as a speaker, that's when you have impact. That is when you can connect with them at a soul and emotion level is when your focus is 100% on that moment and what you are there to deliver in the present. Okay. Now, how do I, how do I get myself present in that moment as the speaker that I can that so that I don't succumb to fear before we get to that there's something else I just want to address because here's the thing 
a lot of times the beliefs and the stuff that we've got, even the stuff we know doesn't serve us because you know that fear of public speaking or being a perfectionist doesn't really serve you, right? You don't want that anymore. Am I right? You, you don't want this fear of public speaking anymore or to no, be perfectionist no. all the time, right? It's not serving you. Yes. No. So, Agreed. Here's the thing with stuff that doesn't serve us that we persist in holding on to is we are getting a payoff out of that bad habit or that limiting belief somehow. So what is the payoff that you are getting out of being afraid and not doing public speaking? And also being a perfectionist, what you're getting something out of it. There's a payoff in it somehow for you. There's a payoff. Could the payoff perhaps be that it's keeping you safe? Yeah, or I am uh, just putting it off, doing it. You know, so. Well, by not doing it, um, you're safe. <laughs> you're safe from not yeah. being judged, from not failing, That's from right. not being good enough, right? That's right. So that is what we do in our minds is we tell ourselves a story about how this bad habit is actually keeping me safe. And here's the thing is we think that, and you know, I wrote them down as you said them, that fear of failure and what others might think of me and not being good enough is stuff that we fear or crave from other people. In other words, wanting other people to approve of me or um, not judge me or think that I am good enough, right? But what's actually going on there, Chantal, is that people are a mirror to us. And all that that is doing is mirroring back to you things you desire from yourself. And I want to say them again, and I want you to hear this as if these are things you desire from yourself. First being feeling good enough. Second one being loving yourself, liking yourself as you are, imperfections and all not judging yourself. How does that resonate with you? As mm. you I'm writing it now down. Um, that's why I'm quiet. But yes, all of it definitely makes sense. Okay. So that is the thing is it's the inner work that needs to happen because as long as we are desiring these things from other people, external sources, it will continue persisting as a fear inside of you because you are not getting that from yourself. Your experiences will continue to mirror that. So it, it really is a matter of you becoming comfortable with you. And, and part of that is addressing the stories that we tell ourselves in our mind. In other words, when a thought comes up of, I am not good enough, or if I fail at this, my entire career could bomb is to literally question those thoughts and to tell yourself that it's not the truth. Because we allow uh, our mind to just run and, and become a drama queen about it instead of stopping that thought, identifying it, and then actually saying to myself, and I, you said it earlier on on this call as well, it's not the truth. It's just a story you're telling yourself that people are going to laugh at you or that it's going to crash your entire career if you don't do well, right? 
Mm. So it really is a matter of when you catch yourself having thoughts like that, to interrupt the thought pattern and literally tell yourself or ask yourself the question, but is that 100% the truth? Is that true? Mm. Because that's how you interrupt that thought pattern. Do you, when you have conversations, general conversations with people, do they look bored while they're talking to you or do they find you engaging? No, they find me engaging. Okay. So it's not the truth that you're a bad speaker, right? No. And that is, that is, uh, that is definitely true because I, if, I, if I have a one-on-one situation, one-on-one um, discussion, or, it, you know, I've been in sales for many years and I sit with a uh, client you know, one-on-one session, then, I mean, it is a very if effective conversation and um, I don't have a problem whatsoever. I mean, I don't have any feelings of uh, trepidation or anything, you know, anxiety or anything like that. But it is the minute that I have to address a group. I can even do like three or four but not more than that. Now, why is that? You know, so, so what, that what is, is it about strange. a group that puts you into fear? Let's identify that because if it's easy for you, either one-on-one or um, with four people, for instance, and you find yourself not in that moment thinking, oh, I'm horrible at what I'm saying or um, I'm not doing well, I'm not you know, perfect in this moment, why does it happen when there's more people than that? I think it's because if you've got a smaller group, you can actually interact with them, you know, so you can look at the person individually and have that conversation with that person, you know, even in a small little group and that person will give you feedback. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a big group, you don't have eye contact with each and every one. So it's not like a conversation that you have with them. You are, um, you know, giving them information you are lecturing you are um putting stuff out there which you don't get immediate feedback on mm-hmm. when like i said if it's in a one-on-one you can immediately see you know where things are going to and, and also what the person is feeling and there will be interaction okay so maybe it's because you don't get uh immediate feedback on what you're saying you, confirmation you- or acknowledgement you know mm-hmm. from You've just, you've just hit the nail on the head without me guiding you there is the fact that you have a belief that for me to be good enough, I need to get that feedback showing me that I am good enough. Mm. Or if I'm not on the right path, you know, then I can still change it kind of thing. In, in other words, you're looking externally for... Uh, some form of a sign or a, a something that I am on the right path. I am good enough. I am, I am, I am. And here's the thing is when we, when we find our identity in other people okaying who we are, we're not ourselves because that means you're constantly acclimating to whatever the environment is or whoever I'm with and adapting to whether how they're responding to me, adapting accordingly to be accepted or to be good enough, right? Mm. And that is the thing. It's become a payoff for you to read people's feedback on you or about you 
whether it's in a conversation or in general, is to use that then to constantly feel like I'm perfect or not imperfect. Does that make sense? Mm. Okay. And again, it, it comes down <coughs> to you really realizing and finding that you are good enough. It's not other people you're really looking for, you know, for that from. It's yourself. It's internal. And I want to ask you a question. Describe to me who would Chantal be if she didn't have these fears and this absolute must be perfect all of the time. If I did not have these fears and if I did not have to be perfect all the time, <clears throat> I would be free. <laughs> I can almost see this freedom. Just describe, um, describe to me who you are. Who is Chantal without these fears and these beliefs that I have to be perfect? It would be a huge weight off my shoulders, I think, because, I mean, I put a lot of pressure on myself through this. Um, and, and I want and, feeling words. How would she feel? What would she be doing? Where would she be going? Describe her to me. I would be, I would, I would feel, I would feel relieved. I would feel, like I said, freedom. I would feel happiness. I would feel, but I think more relieved because again, the, yeah, the pressure is, is, um, you know, it's blocking a lot of happy emotions. The fear is blocking um, happy emotions. So I would, I would be mm, confident. I would be able to do stuff uh, that that would empower me, and that I would feel empowered, and that I would feel, wow, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going back to achieving something. Mm. Um, but I think it's it's a feeling of relief. That is what I would be, and I would I would be a happier person in myself because I wouldn't put these labels on me that I have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing: is our mind the story we're running predominantly in our own minds? Okay. Let me guess, you've been focusing a lot more on I have to be perfect and I have this fear and what if I don't achieve and what if and what if and what if rather than focusing on who you would be and how it would feel if you didn't have this. Am I right? Yeah. So the first thing I want you to do is literally take 10 minutes out of your day. You can start with 10 minutes a day and up mm -hmm. that as and when you want, right? But 10 minutes, just closing your eyes and feeling the feelings of what it would feel like being you without these fears and beliefs holding you down and holding you back. Because then you will begin to put momentum behind that because you've put a lot of momentum already by focusing and thinking predominantly about not being that and having to be that and the fear. So I want us to begin to literally flip that around in your mind 
by beginning to put momentum behind what it is you do want, which is a life without this stuff, right? Mm. So consciously make that choice to literally just 10 minutes a day, close your eyes and go into that visualization of seeing and feeling and experiencing who you would be without that. Okay. Sorry, I'm just writing stuff down. Yeah. Because a lot of times what we do is, you know, we we don't catch our mind when it's busy doing it. So what's going to happen here is the following. So your subconscious mind is your um, autopilot mind, right? And Mm -hmm. what happens is what we predominantly think we actually practice, right? It's almost like practicing something and eventually your subconscious mind picks it up as a habit and now it's doing it on autopilot. So you've had more than enough years and time and thoughts of fearful and not being good enough and having to be perfect that your subconscious mind is now running that on autopilot already. So it's very hard for us to get our conscious mind on board with a new belief because your subconscious mind is in charge 95% of the time. So how do you now get your 5% to jump on board your conscious mind, right? To, Mm. To change that. And here's how you do it. The subconscious mind is a habitual mind. Okay. It thrives on habits. Like I said, stuff we think or do often, it then picks up as a habit and now it becomes something you do on autopilot. So what needs to change is the habits, right? Mm -hmm. For your subconscious mind to pick up a new belief, the habit has to change. And it begins by you changing the habit of spending so much time in the thoughts of not good enough, fearful, have to be perfect and picking up the habit of actually spending more time focusing on who you do want to be, the new belief, I am good enough. And here's a great, great affirmation for you that you can say every single day, two actually. The first one I want you to write down is, it is okay if not everyone likes and understands me, as long as I like and understand me. That's the first one. Mm -hmm. And the second one is, not everyone is going to like me. Or you can write, not everyone is going to resonate with me. And that is okay. Because here's the reality about life, and especially about being a speaker, I've done that for years, is not everyone will always resonate with you. Not everyone's always going to agree with what you're saying. Not everyone's always going to like you, right? And that's why I always say that, you know, when I first started speaking publicly, I had exactly the same fears. I was worried about what if people don't like me? What if they don't, you know, resonate with me, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the thing. If you look at the amount of speakers that are out there, do you know who Joyce Meyer is? Yes. Okay. So most people love Joyce's message, but they can't listen to her because her voice irritates them, right? (laughs) Okay. And then there's other people who listen to T.D. Jakes, but they, you know, resonate with him. Now, Joyce and and, and T.D. Jakes very much have a lot of the same messages of the stuff they speak about, right? But some people resonate with Joyce and others resonate with T.D. 
And here's the beauty of that. The ones that don't resonate with the one, but with the other one, or at least still getting the content and the message. So the ones that don't resonate with you, that's okay. They'll find that somewhere else. They'll get the message somewhere else. Your only job as a speaker and a coach and, and someone who puts yourself out there to share a message and really help people, your only job is to go out there and serve. Here's the thing when you're serving people. You can serve it up. The choice will always be there is whether they're going to take it. Your only job is taking care of you. And the best tip I can give you is never ever get on a stage and speak about something that A, you're not passionate about or B, is content that you're trying to remember. Okay? Because that creates a heck of a lot of fear versus you literally speaking from your heart about your own story, your own experience and stuff you already know. Right? Does that make sense? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So what I always tell speakers is if you really want to be a great speaker, I'm not saying don't have slides. If you want to use slides, by all means use them. Um, you can kind of just use them to keep yourself on track with your talk. So you just have keywords, for instance, on the slides, right? But always speak from your own experience and your own heart. If you had to put me on a stage to speak about, ugh, I don't know, What's the worst thing I could speak about? The financial status of our country. Like I'm a total right brain, right? So that's left brain stuff for me. I shut down completely and I go into fear because it's not something I am comfortable speaking about and I'm going to have to try and remember a whole lot of content. That's a thing, yeah. But when you're I've always had to do that. <laughs> it's content. It's, you know, lecturing content and information. It's, it's not, not specifically something that you know, that you were passionate about or you, you know, it came from your heart. You know, it was always information in that you had to go and research and then remember and then, but, you know, part work kind of thing. And that's, you've just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly, if you want to be a good speaker, you don't share content or information. You are trying to resonate with them at an emotional level and how you do that is by telling your story. In other words, people, people learn through stories, right? When you're telling a story, people will actually remember it, but they will also resonate with it. They feel the emotions as you're telling the story, right? I yeah. actually did an experiment a couple of days ago where I said to someone, I wanted to prove to them the power of their mind and let's see if this works with you as well. If you had to close your eyes right now, and yeah. I want you to just envision in your hand that you're holding a green, 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 green lemon. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's very green. And you take that lemon and you bite into it. And you begin to chew. And it's that sour, you know, like lemon. What's happening in your mouth right now? I'm celebrating, yeah. Salivating or your um, glands like, you know, squishing together. You're not even eating a real lemon, right? Okay. So that's, no, that's the power of the mind when you describe something or you tell a story where you're touching an emotion. And that is why it's key for you to really speak from your heart, your experience, your story, because that is what connects to people and what they resonate with at the end of the day. Not a whole bunch of content. Mm. I agree. 
Does that make you a little less fearful of having to stand in front of people? Um, <laughs> uh, I can see that working better. Yes. Mm -hmm. I sense some hesitation. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's just because uh, yeah, I have to think about it. See, uh, again, I overanalyze everything and I overthink things. Um, but I can see that that will work better than, or it will. Hmm. Again, one's got to practice, I should imagine. Yes, like with everything in life. But there's something else that just came up when I asked that question that I'm picking up from you right now. And that is that it's not just about what are people going to think of me, etc. This has to do with what people are going to think about you. But have you ever shared your story openly? With small groups? Uh, with... with, with, with um uh with you know one on ones or two or three people yeah okay not big groups have you ever had to share your story with a complete stranger yeah as in in detail yeah i think so okay yeah that's that's something else that we as humans are afraid of and that's vulnerability right? Because by, by sharing our story and what we've been through or what we've overcome, we're making ourselves vulnerable. I remember when I wrote my first book with six other ladies from uh, six different countries, we, everyone went through this process in the writing process of eventually getting this thought in our heads of, shit, people are actually now going to know stuff that I've never told anyone. I literally had to find some of my, my family members and my friends to say, listen, this part is not about you, or I, I don't want you to get a shock when you hear about that, right? Because as humans, we are, we're afraid of being judged. And here's the thing, vulnerability is not weakness. It is actually a strength because not everyone can be vulnerable. And everyone struggles with that. But what will make you a phenomenal speaker is if you are willing to be vulnerable and share your story because there's masses of people out there going through exactly the same thing that are just waiting for one other person to stand up and say, me too. But everyone's too afraid to do that. Mm. Go, look at, go look at all of the big speakers out there. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, she wouldn't be as big as she is if she didn't share her story where she came from right? She was vulnerable in sharing what she went through as a child. Same with Joyce Meyer, yeah. vulnerable in sharing her story of what happened when God called her into the ministry and who she was before she got married and all of that stuff. So vulnerability really is strength, especially as a speaker and a coach. So That's true. I want you to just, for your own sake, have a look at if you have any fears around, what are people going to think when they know this about me? And usually it's not about what other people we don't know are going to think. It's about the people closest to us. To be honest, if I think of that now, I, I don't really, um, I don't have a fear about what people will think what I went through. Mm -hmm. That is something that, you know, if it can help somebody else, I will tell them. 
it's not something that I, um, you know, if I think of it now, it doesn't bring up an emotion of, I don't want them to know about this, you know. I, I will share. I think I will, I will be able to share without worrying too much. That, you know, whatever happened to me, happened to me for a flippant reason. So if you have a problem with that, there's no matter your sock. But, um, uh, yeah, so the sharing, I think, is not that much of a problem. It is more how it will come, you know, how I um, get information across. Does it run smoothly? Now, if you have, got, uh, got, if you have an own story to tell, definitely it will come um, out much easier. It will flow better. So, mm. uh, again, the fear of the speaking and how it will resonate with people is definitely less. That I can, I can, I can see that and I agree with that. Absolutely. Like you were saying now, I mean, Usually, by the way, shame comes up for us when we're sharing something vulnerable, for instance, about our childhood or um, one of our partners, someone we were married to, our parents, anything like that. But here's the thing is when, as you are telling your story, your authentic story, what you went through, right? That's when you get to certain points of, so this is how I was feeling and I went through these emotions and this is what I was experiencing and eventually I found this thing and when I did it, it changed it all around. So it becomes easier to remember what it is you want to teach them when you're telling your story because that's what really happened, right? Mm. It's, It's easy for me, for instance, to tell people how I changed my life around because when I tell my story of where I was and the struggles I was having and then how the first thing came across my path and how that helped me. So that's step one that I'm, you know, I'm already giving them something that will help them. And then I continue with the story and this is when I found the second thing and I implemented it. So there they have something else, right? So it does, it becomes a lot easier when you're sharing something literally from your heart, your experience, your authentic self. Versus trying to be perfect up there. Mm. I literally, when I, when I speak at corporates, I've now learned, by the way, to, um, at the beginning of my talk as a joke, I tell them straight, I say the word shit. So if it's offensive to you, I do apologize in advance. But the only reason I say it is because I've tried doing talks without saying shit. And because my <laughs> mind is focused on not saying shit, guess what? I end up saying shit a lot, right? <laughs> so um, instead of having my focus on don't say shit, don't say shit, don't say shit throughout a talk, I want to speak from my heart, right, and connect with my audience. So I just outright straight off the bat, where it's a, whether it's a bunch of um, ladies at a ladies' tea, I don't care what type of entity, I tell them straight, I say shit right off the bat. And then I actually have a little slide that goes up, a little joke about shit as well. But that's just... That's me making a choice to be authentic me. Because if I'm not authentic me, that's when I struggle. That's when I worry. That's when I fear, right? Mm. So it's really a matter of finding your center. Who are you? Who is Chantal? And just being that. Because the moment we're trying to be something else, we're just setting off the BS meter in our own brain, which causes fear. And it's, it's, it's a mm-hmm. simple, it's as simple as, and I must actually give you this as an example now that I'm saying it, but 
it even comes down to if you usually walk around in, I don't know, board shorts and a t-shirt without makeup. I'm not saying get on a stage like that. I'm just saying don't suddenly jump to wearing this tight suit when you want to go give a talk because you're not going to be comfortable. You're not going to be authentic you, right? And I did that for years. When I was in the corporate world and I was speaking about business, I would have all these little corporate suits, but it wasn't me. I felt so uncomfortable up on that stage. So it's a matter of literally just being you throughout. Find that. Who's that? Because that's what people are going to connect with. And it's the, the real you, by the way, is not the you that people are expecting you to be. It's that you without these things because that's who you really are. So another visualization you can actually do daily is to say, who would I be without me adapting to everybody else and who they are expecting me to be? What does she look like? Does that make sense? Mm. Just putting this in part of my daily practices now. <laughs> and then two, two basic practices that you can do just before you get onto stage, because you were asking earlier on, so how do I get rid of my fear before I go on, you know, onto my talk. The first being breathing, right? Because when we breathe, it slows down our heart rate. It slows down our mind. So just do intentional breathing, breathing in as far as you can, holding your breath for a bit and then releasing it. Mm -hmm. It's one technique that really works. Second thing you can do is to get present. And the easiest way to get present is literally to close your eyes and literally say to yourself, um, like for now, I would say I am in my house, in my office, sitting on my chair. I am in my house, in my office, sitting on my chair. And say that to yourself a couple of times. Bring yourself into the present moment where you are now. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that I always do before I go out onto a talk irrespective of what your belief system is, is I surrender that talk to the higher power that is speaking through me because I know it's not, it's my story, but I'm just the mouthpiece. I don't know what these people need to hear. So I literally ask for guidance and support and surrender this talk for the highest good of everyone that's sitting there. Hmm. Yep. Does that help you? Yep, definitely. Does that make you a little bit more confident to put yourself out there and go speak? Yeah, I know. <clears throat> the penny, you know, I've got a problem with this that I have to think about it until the penny drops. But <laughs> once the penny drops and I actually can see, you know, where it went wrong is, again, the context. The content that I used to, like I said, put out there was stuff that you had to remember and that you had to go and it's from somewhere else that you got it. It wasn't from yourself. So the minute that I need, that I can go and speak from own experiences and from my heart, it will definitely be better. Mm. Because so, like you said, you don't have to sit and remember stuff. It will come because it was your own. You, you're talking to them and telling them a story about yourself. The minute that I have to start remembering stuff and then the fear is you will go blank. 
and it, you will go blank. I saw my go blank then, you mm. know, because the I've got 10 points and one of them I'm going to forget. <laughs> you know, so you're setting yourself up for failure already because that is the fear that, that's doing that. Absolutely. But the minute that you start talking, telling a story, it's a different situation, different scenario. You are telling people a story and it will, you don't have to remember facts as, as such. You know, it is Let me ask what you happened a question. to you. experiences you're sharing. Let me ask you a question. Do you sometimes play that little movie in your head of getting onto a stage or in front of a bunch of people and literally bombing, like sucking severely? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As many times as you have played that little movie in your head, I want you to play the movie in your head of you getting up on that stage, speaking from your heart, people in the audience resonating from you and it changing and impacting their lives. Just like you've rehearsed the failure and put momentum behind that so many times by watching that mind movie. I want you to begin to watch a different mind movie because your mind does not know the difference between reality and fantasy. So again, coming back to your subconscious mind that goes on to autopilot, the more you rehearse something in your mind, it becomes automatic. You create that, what, you know, which you're focusing on. So yeah. begin to reverse that by really spending time on, seeing yourself getting out there, resonating with people and transforming their lives. I do that with a talk. I do that even when I release a new program. I, don't, I, I see myself putting it out into the world and I see how it impacts and transforms people's lives because that is ultimately your goal. Our goal isn't really, That's I right. hope people are going to like me. Our goal is, I hope this helps someone or serves them, right? Great. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, where was your fear level at at the beginning of this chat? 11. (laughs) 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 And right now on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you say your fear level is at? No, I'd say around 5, 6, 5. So to come down. Yeah. Come down a lot. If we come down. The more you do this, the more that's going to go down. No, definitely. Okay. All right, Chantal, thank you so much for allowing me to talk you through this breakthrough. And I look forward to actually seeing you up there on stage. Send me some videos, please. And uh, practice does make perfect. So continue practicing as well. Thank you very much. That's where we're going to start is with these daily exercises of positivity and, um, yeah, and, and practice. Right. So just to recap on my session with Chantal, initially, you know, most of us think that our fear is that which we think it is. Like in Chantal's case, she actually felt like it was a fear of public speaking. But as we drilled down into that fear, we discovered that it was actually limiting beliefs and a fear of not being good enough, um, not being heard, not being seen. Um, you know, and, and that's usually what happens to a lot of us. We think our fear is one specific particular thing. But when we begin to drill down, we actually discover 
what the real fear is behind that thing and the real limiting beliefs that we need to address and work on. So as a recap on this episode and this session with Chantal, I want to just give you just simple steps that you can begin to take to actually do what I did for Chantal and really begin to flip the sphere around and discover what it's really about and really take your power back and loosen the grip that fear has on you with whatever it is that you believe your fear is. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, whether it is a fear of public speaking, like in Chantal's case, or it is a fear of not being good enough, of not being heard, of not being seen, fear of failure, even a fear of heights, you can use these simple steps to begin to overcome that and really take back your power. So if you want to grab a pen and a piece of paper, do so now because I'm going to jump straight into those steps. So step one, guys, is you really need to drill down into that fear. In other words, whatever you believe the fear is, let's assume that your fear is fear of failure, right? What I want you to do first and foremost is to drill down into that fear by asking yourself, what exactly is it that I am afraid of? In other words, is, you know, what are you afraid of is going to happen if you fail, right? Because your fear is not a fear of failure. It's, it's got something underlying. And by asking yourself, what exactly is it that I am afraid of? You'll discover what that is. And for example, that could be something like, I have a fear of not being good enough or I have a fear of people judging me. Um, I have a fear of what other people will say if I fail. Um, I have a fear of that I might lose everything if I don't succeed, right? So just really drill down into that fear by asking yourself, what exactly is it that I am afraid of? What, in other words, what am I afraid of is going to happen, right? So that's the first step. And then the second step. So firstly, what I want you to do, by the way, in step number one is to write those things down because when we write them down and we see them in front of us, that's when we can really register them, take them in and begin to work with them. Right. So write it down. So step number two is to question that. So let's assume you wrote down that exactly what you're afraid of is perhaps not fear of failure as such, but fear of being judged, right? So what I want you to do with that is to question it by asking yourself, is that 100% true? In other words, is it 100% true that people are going to judge you or dislike you if you do fail? And usually, guys, it's not 100% the truth. So whatever story we told ourselves about it in the first place, for example, that other people are going to judge me if I do fail, is usually not the truth. It's just a fabrication of our own mind. It's an assumption that we made. So you need to begin to question the story you're telling yourself about it. And that brings me to point number three. Once you have asked yourself if this is the truth, I want you to then find examples or evidence of why that story or that fear or that belief is not the truth. And how that works, guys, is whether you look at in your own life, previous times, for instance, that you did fail and people didn't judge you, that could be examples or evidence, right? Proof that you can find of that that story is not true. 
or even if you look at other people, in other words, even if you look at a successful person, let's say um, Richard Branson is to look at his story and to realize that he has failed several times, but nobody judged him, right? So begin to find examples and evidence of why that statement or that fear or that belief is not 100% the truth because here's the thing guys our mind likes evidence right it's accumulated a lot of evidence over the years of what we believe and we can't go into it in this episode but because of our belief that is actually why we keep recreating it and getting more evidence but that is why it's really key for you to present the mind with other evidence of why your initial belief or your initial fear is not the truth, right? That kind of interrupts its thought pattern and its old habit of the way it was thinking and the belief it had in the first place. So that is why it's key to do that. So the fourth thing that I then want you to do is to ask yourself, what is the payoff that I am getting out of this? So usually, guys, like I explained to Chantal as well, when we have a belief that's holding us back, we kind of hold on to that belief, even if it's something that's no longer serving us or it's holding us back. Firstly, because it's familiar to us, right? But secondly, because there's always some or other payoff in it for us. So let's use the same example. Let's say that your initial fear you thought you had was a fear of failure. And now you've drilled down and you followed the steps up to now. But now I want you to look at what is the payoff in you fearing failure? What are you getting out of hanging on to that fear? of failure and usually guys when we hang on to a fear is because the payoff we're getting out of it is it's keeping us in our safe place right it's keeping us safe in other words it's keeping you from being judged because you already believe you're going to be judged so by playing safe you're actually avoiding that thing that you fear happening, the story that you've told yourself about it happening. So you've got to go look at what is, what's in this for me? What am I getting out of not stepping out there and having a fear of failure? In other words, not stepping up and just doing it, okay? Because there's always a payoff in it for us somehow. And then lastly, what I want you to do is to change the story that you've told yourself about that thing, all right? Because in your mind, you've watched that movie so many times already that says that if I do put myself out there or I take a risk or I try, uh, perhaps you believe already that you are going to fail and if you fail, people are going to judge you. You've rehearsed that mind story so many times that you need to begin to replace that with a new mind story. You need to begin spending time with actually watching the little mind movie of what you do want because we create what we focus on, guys. What our mind is focused on, your mind does not know the difference between reality and fantasy. So even if you just spend 10 minutes a day visualizing yourself actually without that fear and 
having what you do want, focusing on what you actually do want. In other words, the news story. So if your old story was, I have fear of failure or I am afraid that I'll be judged if I fail, then I want you to visualize your new story, which would sound something along the lines of you seeing yourself putting yourself out there and either putting yourself out there and succeeding, right? Or if you're uncomfortable with that, begin with putting yourself out there. And even if you do fail, not being judged, but being supported by those you love and those around you. And then at a later stage, when you get comfortable, you can always change that visualization to actually seeing yourself succeed. But that is just five simple steps that you can begin to take to begin to flip that fear around, to get rid of that fear, to take your power back, right? And to loosen the grip that that fear has got on you. And the reason why that fear has got a grip on us, guys, is because beliefs are so deeply ingrained in us. They've become a part of our subconscious mind and they're actually on autopilot. We're living out our beliefs that we have formed from a very young age as children already. And at some point, when we begin to realize that these beliefs are firstly not the truth and that we want to flip them around because they're holding us back, we really need to go through this process, not just to identify what the beliefs are that we have formed, but also to begin to change the programming and the momentum we've put behind this false belief, this false fear, by actually becoming self-aware of what it is we're telling ourselves and then actually interrupting that thought process and that pattern and that habit of thinking, right? The way we're thinking by actually questioning it, giving the mind new examples and evidence of why that old story is not the truth, discovering what the payoff is in it for us, and then actually changing that story by visualizing that which we do want to see, watching a different mind movie. So guys, I really hope that that has helped you. Fear was a big part of my life before. And Ever since I began this process of really becoming more self-aware of what is really going on and drilling down into it and addressing it and flipping it around, I have a lot, as in a lot less fear. If, if I can equate it to numbers, I would say that before I was probably on 100% fear most of the time, and now it's probably roughly at about 10%. So I really hope that this will help you. I'd love to hear back from you about some of the aha moments that you had on this episode and how this has helped you and uh, you can tag me on a post on instagram or facebook i'll leave the links for you in the show notes below as well i'd love to hear back from from you as to just what your takeaways were from this episode and of course if this was of value to you and there's someone you know who needs to hear this as well please do share this episode with them as well and I'd love for you to also please give me some feedback by leaving me a review on this podcast channel and letting me know what you thought, what were your takeaways, what were your aha moments. I love to hear back from you guys. So 
Guys, I hope you have a fantastic week. And if you also want to have a breakthrough session like I had with Chantal, and if you have an obstacle, a challenge, a limitation, an experience or a goal that you would like my help and guidance with to get breakthrough on right here on this podcast, please just drop an email to my team with the subject line podcast at admin at mickeyruthman.com and I could be coaching you live through your obstacle, challenge, limitation, experience or goal and help you to get your breakthrough right here on the Breakthrough Podcast. But I've left that for you guys in the show notes as well. And I want to wish you a fantastic week and I look forward to hearing your stories of breakthrough once you begin to apply this. And as always, guys, I'm playing out just with a song that I enjoy or that has special meaning to me. And I hope you're going to enjoy this right along with me. And I'll see you right back here on the Breakthrough Podcast again next week. Mm -hmm.